I am New York City-based psychotherapist Nikita Banks, a licensed clinical social worker, and I am your host of the Black Therapist Podcast, formerly Black in Therapy. The Black Therapist Podcast is a place where we will discuss the unique issues people of color face when dealing with mental health issues and mental health diagnosis. You can listen to our show on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. You can follow us on Instagram, The Black Therapist Podcast, or you can hit us up on our website and sign up for our mailing list at blacktherapistpodcast.com. Also, on our website, you can find the links to our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages. You can also email us show suggestions, general feedback, and any ideas that you have for, I don't know, guests at Black therapist podcast at gmail.com hey guys welcome to another episode of the black therapist podcast so there is so much going on did you hear my whistle it got whistled with my sue <laughs> um i had a whole show planned and there were so many things that i wanted to do but i decided to scale back because i wanted to address some of the things that I've been seeing a little bit in the social media space. First things first, if you have signed on to our free mental health course, Strange, it is amazing if I do say so myself. I mean, I like it, but I produced it. Basically, in the show, I mean, in the course, what you will do is you will learn the tools to be able to develop your own mental wellness toolkit. You will be able to find out how to find a therapist free and low cost. And you will also be able to know how to support a family member who has a diagnosis or how to deal with a diagnosis if you are newly diagnosed. So if you are interested in gaining access to our first free online course, you can email us at blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com and I will send you the information. You can also sign up to our mailing list at blacktherapistpodcast.com. So if you live in the New York City area, I am hosting an event. So I want to invite you guys to come out and actually meet me in person, which is super dope because I really look forward to meeting you guys and seeing you guys in person. So the event that I am co-hosting or I'm on a panel, so I'm not really co-hosting. There's a host. But the event is called He Said, She Said. The event is sponsored by Go Girls, Inc. and Fearless Women. And I'll be on a panel with a male therapist as well as several other panelists. And we are going to be discussing relationships. So I'm super excited. This is kind of one of several of these events that I'm doing. And why I'm extra excited is because I am launching our first paid course, which will be a relationship building course. And I'm in the middle of designing the ebook for the course, which is a workbook, and it's super duper dope. And I started out doing an ebook that was supposed to be like a free companion to the course. And then it was kind of supposed to be like my free giveaway for people who were signing on to our mailing list. But it looks so good. I don't know. I might just sell it. I'm still deciding. If you guys are interested in the ebook or if you're interested in signing up the pre-launch of the course, 
also send me an email at blacktherapistpodcast.com and say you're interested in the course. The course is super duper dope. And what I will say about the course is that it's cheaper to buy the course than it is to come to me for therapy. You're going to get so many resources and assignments and things that you can walk away with an action plan on how to fix the relationships that you have in your life. And I know that eventually I'm going to have to price the course as what would be like my normal rate. But this is a discounted rate because I'm really new at building courses online and I just kind of want to tweak it and get feedback and really learn how to do this properly. So just decided to go ahead and just throw caution to the wind and price it at a price point that I'd be able to service as many people as I wanted to or as many people as are willing to kind of sign up. So our first cohort will be launched in a few weeks and it's an open course. I'm going to open it for a few weeks and then I'm going to close it and then we're going to start it at a particular point because you get one-on-one sessions with me. There will be some live webinars and there will be some uh, group work that you'll be able to do and walk away with the action plan for how to improve the relationships that you have in your life. So I'm super excited on building it and getting it done. And like seeing my workbook designed is just like everything to me. The name of the course is Finding Happy, Seven Steps to a Relationship That Won't Steal Your Joy. And the course has videos as well as the workbook, live components, as well as one-on-one sessions. So I'm super excited to offer it to you guys because I want you guys to be able to infuse love in everything that you do. And I want you to operate from a space of active and proactive joy and bringing that into all the spaces that you reside in. And it's so super important to your happiness. Happiness is a choice. It's a job. And it is something that is very attainable for all of us if we have the correct skill set. So I want to give a special shout out to the fourth grade class, uh, UPenn, at Democracy Prep Harlem Charter School this week. I got to visit this amazing class. And as a reform teacher, it's so dope to be able to be back in the classroom and not have to teach (laughs) because classroom management was not my thing, but to sit in the, in a class with captivated fourth graders who asked me wonderful, insightful questions about my job and what I do. And I'm going to answer some of the questions here because they were so good of questions. So one of the guys, the young guys asked me, what was the challenges that I had to face when dealing with um, or launching my career. And so obviously one of the challenges was being a single mom. The other was fighting through my own mental struggles and my mental health issues and getting to the point where I felt so much better that I decided that I wanted to give the gift of mental health to the other people of color and women, children and families who look like me. And the major challenge that I fight every single day is changing the narrative around people of color getting mental health help. And so I thought it was just such an amazing question. I felt like I wanted to answer it here. The kids had such insightful views. I'm smiling. My face hurts. You probably can 
feel it through me talking, but they have such insightful views about their thoughts and their feelings and their emotions. And I was able to kind of redirect their ideas around negative emotions, having them define what mental was, (laughs) uh, was kind of fun when person thought that mental had to do with if you had autism and if you were like sad or depressed. And so having that conversation with them was just amazing. And I remember they had like signs, hand signs uh, for when they agreed with you so that they didn't have to verbalize certain things. And so there was a point in the conversation where I stated, you know, one of the challenges that I have is just trying to get black people to decide and realize that you don't have to be crazy in order to go to therapy. You can go to therapy and just gain life skills and nothing doesn't mean that there's anything that has to be wrong with you. And his little brown face, he started to light up and he started to agree and nod with me. And I knew that I had, um, I found an audience. And so I want to thank Aaron Shalele, uh, who is my old classmate at NYU for inviting me. And shout out to everybody at Democracy Prep because it was just so amazing to be there and to speak to our young people. And it was great to go to Harlem. My dad was born in Harlem Hospital. And so to kind of be able to be back in a community that touched my life and added value to my life and who I am today and to speak to those young people were amazing. The kids were amazing. They were so bright and so intelligent. And going through the feelings chart with them was just dope. So uh, if you're a parent and you're out there and you're at the, out the sound, listening to the sound of my voice, you can go anywhere, Google in a feelings chart and have a discussion with the kids. Because what I've dis- what I've noticed in my time as a teacher and also as my time as a school social worker, because I used to do that work too before I went into private practice. And in my time with private in private practice and dealing with young people is that a lot of people don't gain the emotional language to have the discussions around feelings. And a lot of people still have these ideas that certain feelings and thoughts are not appropriate. And every single feeling that we have has its place. So we discuss the importance of fear. We discuss the importance of anger. We discuss the importance of sadness and it was just a dope experience so I just wanted to shout them out and let you know if you have a youth organization or if you have a school system or if you have a class you just kind of want me to come in and talk to your kids reach out because I am all about community development and community work and each one teach one so I just want to shout out democracy prep and say thank you so much for having me for our Shiro's event I was a Shiro So, yes, uh, we'll get into the show. So I want to give a special shout out to the fourth grade class, uh, UPenn at Democracy Prep Harlem Charter School this week. I got to visit this amazing class. And as a reform teacher, it's so dope to be able to be back in the classroom and not have to teach (laughs) because classroom management was not my thing, but to sit in in a class with captivated fourth graders who asked me wonderful, insightful questions about my job and what I do. And 
I'm going to answer some of the questions here because they were so good of questions. So one of the guys, the young guys asked me, what was the challenges that I had to face when dealing with um, or launching my career? And so obviously one of the challenges was being a single mom. The other was fighting through my own mental struggles and my mental health issues and getting to the point where I felt so much better that I decided that I wanted to give the gift of mental health to the other people of color and women, children and families who look like me. And the major challenge that I fight every single day is changing the narrative around people of color getting mental health help. And so I thought it was just such an amazing question. I felt like I wanted to answer it here. The kids had such insightful views. I'm smiling. My face hurts. You probably can feel it through me talking. But they had such insightful views about their thoughts and their feelings and their emotions. And I was able to kind of redirect their ideas around negative emotions Having them define what mental was <laughs> uh, was kind of fun when person thought that mental had to do with if you had autism and if you ha- were like sad or depressed. And so having that conversation with them was just amazing. And I remember they had like signs, hand signs uh, for when they agreed with you so that they didn't have to verbalize certain things. And so there was a point in the conversation where I stated, you know, one of the challenges that I have is just trying to get black people to decide and realize that you don't have to be crazy in order to go to therapy. You can go to therapy and just gain life skills and nothing doesn't mean that there's anything that has to be wrong with you. And his little brown face, he started to light up and he started to agree and nod with me. And I knew that I had um I found an audience and so I want to thank Aaron Shalele uh who is my old classmate at NYU for inviting me and shout out to everybody at Democracy Prep because it was just so amazing to be there and to speak to our young people and it was great to go to Harlem my dad was born in Harlem Hospital and so to kind of be able to be back in a community that touched my life and added value to my life and who I am today. And to speak to those young people were amazing. The kids were amazing. They were so bright and so intelligent and going through the feelings chart with them was just dope. So uh, if you're a parent and you're out there and you're at out the sound, listening to the sound of my voice, you can go anywhere, Google in a feelings chart and have a discussion with the kids. Because what I've dis- what I've noticed in my time as a teacher and also as my time as a school social worker, because I used to do that work too, before I went into private practice. And in my time with private in private practice and dealing with young people is that a lot of people don't gain the emotional language to have the discussions around feelings and a lot of people still have these ideas that certain feelings and thoughts are not appropriate and every single feeling that we have has its place so we discuss the importance of fear we discuss the importance of anger we discuss the importance of sadness and it was just a dope experience so I just wanted to shout them out 
and let you know if you have a youth organization or if you have a school system or if you have a class, you just kind of want me to come in and talk to your kids, reach out because I am all about community development and community work and each one teach one. So I just want to shout out Democracy Prep and say thank you so much for having me for our Shiro's event. I was a Shiro. Ah. <laughs> so, yes, uh, we'll get into the show. So that stuff out of the way. This week's episode is uh, Fix It, Jesus. I want to talk about Ayanla's Fix My Life. So I have been watching a lot of social media lately or watching YouTube. Shout out to Funky Daniva. Yes, I watch Funky Daniva. I think uh, she, I mean, he calls himself himself a male. It, It gets real, real sticky with gender pronouns, but... Since the character's name is Funky Daniva, I will call her her. What I love about the show is that it's so insightful. And it started me to having a discussion about Ayanla Van Zandt. Now, let me say this off topic. Not no, off top. I love Ayanla. And why I like Ayanla, you know what? No, I'm going to back that up. I have a love-hate relationship with Ayanla. And let me be clear. Ayanla is an elder I've I've been a fan of the Oprah Winfrey show as as every other black person in this damn country almost. Um, I would assume that most people love Oprah, but I was a fan of the Oprah Winfrey show. I was a fan of Ayanla's on Oprah, and I never thought that I would be in a space that I would do something similar to what she does for a living. But that's exactly what it is. It's similar. It ain't the same. And so in my journey to healing, I was already in therapy once I saw Ayanna sit down with Oprah on her new network own. And they had a discussion surrounding generational curses. And they had a discussion surrounding Ayanna's book, Peace from Broken Pieces. And I've seen a lot of other healers credit Peace from Broken Pieces as a book that helped them facilitate their own healing. But that book was instrumental for me. That book was instrumental for me because it allowed me to see the relationships that I've had in my life that have been dysfunctional were modeled on relationships that I've had in my family. And so there was so much value in me reading the book at the same time that I was in therapy, that after I finished the book, what I ended up doing was I wrote a list of all of the relational patterns that I had in my life that I had developed over years from relating with the negative responses that I had with my family. So the way my sister mistreats me, and no judgment, because we or I'm, I'm sure that she can write a whole book on how I've mistreated her over the years. The way my sister treats me and mistreated me, the way my mother mistreated me and treated me, the way my father mistreated me and treated me, and the uh, significant male relationships in my life. And what I did was I ended up making a connection between a pattern. And if you want to know what that is, you sign up for the relationship course. And I'm not going to give that to you right now. And it's personal. <laughs> but I was able to identify patterns in my in my relational. What is it? My relational relationships? My relationships. And what I did was is that book was instrumental in that. So I'm not going to say that her work does not have value. But I also will say from a cultural perspective as a black woman, what she does is valuable, but it is only one piece. So there is widespread criticism 
criticism that what Ayanla does is not therapeutic. What I would say is that her work is therapeutic, but it is not therapy. So therapeutic for me is taking a nice warm bath and having a glass of Chardonnay after a very long day. That doesn't mean that that's me doing any work. That just means it's relaxing and it's taking my mind away from the problem. What Ayanla does is she has discussions in a, from a cultural perspective surrounding some of the issues, problems, and concerns that black people have. Now, I want to I want to preface this because I've been watching Ayanla's show from the beginning. And if anybody here has been watching her show from the beginning, you can see the evolution of her show. Because in the beginning, Own used to try to be like, I'm I'm, I'm, going to go all the way in it now, get my microphone together. Own used to try to be like the Oprah Winfrey show, which means that they tried to originally go for a larger demographic. So even on Ayala's show, she used to work with a lot of Caucasian people as well as African-Americans and people of color. So there were a lot more Hispanics on the show. It was a lot more diverse than it is now. Now watching the show, there are a lot of black people that are on the show. So black people don't really like when black people put black people's issues on front street. So one criticism about her show is the fact that she is utilizing and highlighting the dysfunction that is in the black community. Now, I live in a black community, so I don't have a problem with that. And because black people like mess and black people like their own mess, they just don't like other people to see their mess. We watch. So whenever there is shows on that usually has us on it, we are more prone to look at it. Now, this is just for me. Maybe I'm speaking for myself. Let me just speak for myself. And then you could say whether you you agree or you disagree. But I know that if I'm watching a show like Divorce Court or like Maury, and I don't watch Maury, but I would watch Divorce Court. But if I would watch a show like that, or even Dr. Phil, if there's a black family on it, oh, I want to see what, what it's about. I want to see what <laughs> want to see what it's about. Because I like to look at people who look at me and I want to see stories that reflect me. But part of what Ayala does is she highlights dysfunction that happens in our community. And for a lot of us, we see these stories. We love these stories. We know these stories, but we don't discuss them in a functional way. So the value of what she does is that she puts some of our shh on front street. And for a lot of us, it's necessary because a lot of dysfunctional things and topics that of shows that she's had, like that man with those 35 kids and 18,000 baby mamas or the show like um, this year with Mikey Hits and his father being killed by a white supremacist or a member of the KKK or uh, this show that was on these last three shows that was on about these seven brothers who were essentially abandoned by their mother who was addicted to drugs and a father who had them in the system who were then in foster care, separated, gone to jail. Uh, some of them ended up dead. Some of them ended up molested and abused and everybody ends up damaged. Right. So, so these are the kind of shows that she highlights, but I don't really need to look at TV to see these kinds of shows. I could go to work. I can go to my community. I could look at my family to see these kinds of contents. So for a lot of people, it's very uncomfortable that she's talking aloud 
in mixed company about some of these uncomfortable subjects, but they need to be addressed. They need to be discussed because they can't be done if they're not acknowledged. The criticism comes from people saying that Ayala is actually not fixing people's lives. And I don't really understand. I think having TV in being the medium, it's very challenging. A lot of people say that they want to be on TV or they they come to a point where they sign up for this show and then they don't want to do the work, number one. And number two, they're not open to the process. What I will respect about Ayanla, and like I said, she is not a trained, licensed, board certified. There you go. Board certified anything. She's not a therapist. She's not a psychotherapist. She's she's nothing but a spiritual healer. And to be honest with you, I think that Ayanla is no different than you going to your minister who only is informed by the Bible or only informed by that. And they have no basis of background in cognitive behavioral therapy, behavioral therapy, um, any kind of psychology, any any kind of real social sciences that helps people to mitigate the problems that they have. She's providing advice, but she's not providing actual scientific evidence based practice methods that helps people with their problems. And even if she did, you cannot do that. In a two or three day intensive, you cannot do that over a, a, a short span of time. You cannot do that. The only thing that I can do with a client who is even on a psych ward with 24 hour round care treatment is assess them, diagnose them and stabilize them. Assess diagnose and stabilize. So if we're expecting Ayala to fix these people's lives overnight or over a, a two-hour span or over a three-day span or however long this production lasts and we don't get to see that, that's a problem. Also, if you have real criticisms about Ayala, I suggest that what you do is go and look at the after show on YouTube. Sometimes she has a YouTube where she discusses certain things that happens in problematic episodes like the... Um, Mobley story I don't even know the, the child's name But she was kidnapped from Kamaya She was kidnapped from a hospital And she was raised by a woman Who t- taken her away And she only found out When she was 17 That she wasn't Biologically the woman's child And it then came out That she was kidnapped During that episode, what ended up happening was the girl got so infuriated with Ayanla trying to get her to her place of healing, I say in air quotes, that the girl became very combative, verbally abusive, was threatening Ayanla. It it got out of hand. And I'm going to be honest with you, there are certain things and methods that Ayanla employs that makes me feel super uncomfortable. It puts me in a way or puts me in a mindset where I'm like, damn, this is triggering me and I'm a professional in this I don't know if this is this is what she should be doing but I also do know that on Ayala's staff because there's several different times that she's she's sent out for professional therapists and she often says if you watch the show you need therapy after that she's you're gonna need therapy she's gonna need therapy you gotta get her in therapy she says that often so she's acknowledging that what she does is therapeutic but it is not therapy So then I had to have a whole conversation this week around the difference between what Ayanla does and what Dr. Phil does, because not a lot of people understand that Dr. Phil, where Dr. Phil came from. So 
it's my the best of my recollection, and I'm not even going to Google it. What happened was, is Oprah was being sold. Oprah was being sued by the beef industry, and Dr. Phil was a legal consultant. He was a forensic psychologist, and part of what he did was help pick juries. Process of elimination. There's a show right now, Bull. Bull is loosely based on Dr. Phil's life as a jury consultant. And what ended up happening was, is Oprah worked with Dr. Phil to be a consultant and ended up giving him a show. Dr. Phil is also a, he is a licensed, no, he is a doctor, but he is no longer licensed. So that means that Dr. Phil would not be practicing in anybody's psych ward or anybody's anything, but he does play a doctor on TV. He has earned a doctorate. He has gone to school and he's gotten a degree. So that's why he still is denoted denoted with the uh, prefix of doctor, but he's no longer licensed in anybody's state to practice psychology. The difference between his show and why most people don't have a problem with watching his show is because really all Dr. Phil is doing is educating people about mental disorders, bringing people in and saying, see, this is an example of the disorder. And then he does what I like to to say is an intake or triage. So he comes in and he he looks at the diagnostic criteria. He sees if the person fits the diagnosis. He discusses, you know, what you would usually do if with a person who has that diagnosis. And then you always, always, always see him refer the person to someone. I won't say always, but the majority of the times that I watch Dr. Phil, and I don't like Dr. Phil, to be honest with you, but that's a whole nother matter. But that I watch Dr. Phil what I see him do is connect the person with a community resource, a clinic, a doctor, a, a rehab, a, a ranch or something that they will go and be able to get the care that they need. He understands the dynamic and we see it up up front that what he's doing is only informational. He is not treating them as a doctor, a patient relationship. And for legal reasons, he really can't do that anyway. I don't think. I know my my board wouldn't allow me to be able to do that. But TV's TV, and we're not going to get into that. The difference with Ayala is what Ayala does is her show gives us the idea that what she's going to do is fix the people. It's in the title. What she's going to do is help them resolve their issues and problems. And then usually when you see the little blurb at the end of the show, you don't see that their problems are resolved. The reason that is, is because that's really not in her wheelhouse. All Ayala is really doing is highlighting a dysfunction, highlighting a social issue, highlighting a cultural or community response. And, and looking to get the person started on the path of their healing and helping them identify their current level of distress and give them some tools, some tools to help them start their healing. That's all she does. So it makes it seem like she's supposed to resolve issues, but that's not really what it is. Ayanla is not a therapist. My problem with Ayanla as a therapist, because I'm, I'm getting there, but my problem with Ayanla as a therapist is it's so visceral. It's so reactive. 
it's so culturally in your face. And for most people who don't know what therapy is, ain't never been to therapy, don't know what a therapy session looks like, that shit could be scary. And it could really turn people away from therapy because she's so in your face about it. Like I've seen I've seen episodes where Ayana just went up to this white woman, poor little white woman, but went up to this white woman and demanded that she get a hug from this white woman who had been sexually assaulted. Like you don't just come in my space uninvited and demand that I give you any kind of contact. Like, ooh, that 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 stuff like that bothers me. But I see Ayala do it over and over and over and over again. And those are things that if you came from a therapeutic perspective or therapist or trained specialist perspective, you would not do that. I never get in anybody's face or space without being invited, without announcing myself, without saying, you know what, I want to know if it is okay if I hug you right now. Would it be all right for you if I I hugged you? Is it okay if I touch your your, your arm or your hand? Is it okay? Because sometimes you have to physically support somebody to get them back to their healing. But Ayala do a lot of telling and commanding and f- she would she couldn't be she couldn't fix my life. Not like that. Then there's something else that I've noticed in the conversation that I had with a friend of mine about Ayamla. And it it is something culturally that I've noticed, but it is also damaging. And I will quote Michelle Obama when she said that black women love our sons and we raise our daughters. But Michelle Obama wasn't the first person that said it. I first heard Dr. Kwanza. Kanjufu, I'm sure I screwed up that name, uh, right in the book, Countering the Conspiracy to Destroy Black Boys, say that black women coddle our sons. We love our sons and we raise our daughters. And this is why a lot of us don't have partners. Miss Ayanla, when she is encountered with a black woman, she is not nice. Now, when I, I don't mean that she's mean, but I mean that loving old come on and lay in a big woman's bosom, which is what I've heard her say before. She said it to a woman, I believe. But she, but but she will invite men to get that old good old grandma hug with two hands. But the girls, there's something so wrong about the lack of compassion and empathy that she shares for them. And I'm I'm not saying she's not she's without empathy. And I'm not saying she's without compassion, but the love and care and concern that she has on our boys. I've seen her with she called Nephia gutter snipe and she had people giving Nephi's man a, a massage and a, a chef and a housekeeper. What? What? We all have our audience that we have to play to. And there's, I work primarily with black women and women of color for a reason. Cause I know for me, that's, that's my niche. That's my audience. So we've, we've seen that the show has dwindled from her dealing with everybody as a whole to only people of color I'm I'm going to predict that if the show is around a lot longer, she's going to be working a lot more with men. 
And I will say that she works a lot more with men on the shows. The shows seem to be the majority about fixing the lives of black men. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there has to be some sort of balance in it. You can also give care and concern to black women because we don't have anybody to go to if we are left out in the world without the protection of our men and don't have the comfort of our elder females. If the older women who know our struggle don't help us and give us a hug and say, hey, baby, come here. Let me teach you another way to do things and let me be kind about it. And not just tell you, I've seen Ayala tell black women to suck it up, suck it up. What? There is value in what Ayala does. I would never knock nobody else's hustle. I think that what she does is very spiritually enriching. I think that what she does is extremely informative to highlight the issues of, of concern that are in the black community. But I, I have my I have my I have my um my doubts. And I think that it could also be damaging to, to me as a therapist who is a woman of color because if people come and they watch this show and they think that this is what therapy is, I'm not sure that this will allow them to come to me because I don't do that work. My work don't look like what Ayala is doing. Sometimes it is. Sometimes I'm tough loving. But for the most part, I'm loving on everybody that I, I deal with and the people that I serve in my community. And so I just wanted to put this perspective out there that what Ayala is doing and or fixing, girl, I, I don't know. I, that's why I just said fix it, Jesus, because it's beyond it's beyond beyond me. But I just want to offer you guys that perspective that what Ayala is doing and the work that she is doing, it is still valuable because she's educating the masses. But that ain't therapy. That ain't therapy. And like I said, it is therapeutic, but so is a glass of wine. <laughs> um, that's not therapy. OK, so listen. Those are my criticisms. That's my critique. It was on my heart to talk about this this week because I've been watching Ayanla's show. That's just my observation. If you agree with me or disagree with me, you could drop me a comment on this show. You can also, also please uh, send me an email. Talk about whatever you want to talk about because I'm here. This has been another episode of Black Therapist Podcast. Be well. You've listened to another episode of the Black Therapist Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Nikita Banks, licensed clinical social worker, and this is Black Therapist Podcast, formerly Black in Therapy. If you are looking for any information, any resources about today's show, or if you just want to drop a line and say hey and subscribe to our mailing list, you can do so at our website, blacktherapistpodcast.com. You can send us emails at black therapistpodcast at gmail.com and if you enjoyed what you heard today please like comment share and subscribe because we want the show to grow as organically as we possibly can and we cannot do that without you thank you for listening be well